Uh, good morning. How are you? Good. Good to see you. Um, I want to begin this morning by asking you just a very simple question. Have you ever asked yourself this? How did I ever get here? Have you ever asked that question? How, have I, how did I ever get here? Now, I'm not talking about the GPS and you in the car and, and you finding yourself in uh, you know, a situation or a place. But have you ever asked relationally, personally, uh, you know, professionally, how did I ever get here? And if you're honest with yourself, you're going to look back on your life and you're going to, know, you're going to say to yourself, my life right now, right, my life right now is the sum total of all the decisions I have made so far, Right? That's the reality about life, that your life right now is the sum total of all the decisions you have made up to this point, okay? And I was really intrigued with uh, Betsy and Jacob. You guys, you guys did my introduction for me. That was wonderful. No, it really, because, because you, you said it really well, right? You know, you, you look back on your, on your life and all these decisions. Everyone else around you can see Right, that uh, this is where you should be, and um, and I and I and I love that question because in many ways, when we talk about Christmas, when we talk about this time of year, right, we, we ask, how did we ever get here? How did we ever get here? Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why is it so important? Why is it why is it this thing that these Christians want to hang on to so desperately? And, and not allow anything else to get in the way of what we see as, as this time of year. Why is it that the early church said, listen, we don't know the date of Jesus' actual birth, but we're going to take this time, we're going to reserve this season, we're going to reserve this day, and we're going to make it really important. We're going to be able to say, this is the day that we've got to celebrate this, because what this is is so important that we can't ignore it. We can't deny it. It's so, it's so life-changing. It's so world-altering. It's all changing the world kind of impact that it can have. And, you know, this is, this is where we are today, you know? And when, why Christmas? When we talk about this unpredictable journey, there's the Bible. When we look back on the scriptures, when we look back on the Word of God, we, can, we, we from our vantage point today, can see very easily how God orchestrated everything to bring Jesus into the world. And yet... At certain times in history, at certain times in history, people had no idea what was going on. At, at certain times in history, people had no idea that God was doing something right at that moment that would birth the bringing of Jesus into the world. In fact, I'm going to say even something even, even uh, I don't want to say more profound, but something even more important. That at the time, at the time, historically... It was a very hopeless situation for the world. And that God did something remarkable at that time and gave a promise at that time that Jesus would arrive in a miraculous way and would give hope to the world forever and ever and ever. And that is something that we don't want to forget. And this is why it's, it's so important that we come to this, um, to this this time of year, you ever you ever get a feeling? You ever get a feeling that there's this battle that ensues the minute Christmas season starts, right? It's all about you know how many how many times. Do a little experiment for those of you that, that watch TV or or listen to the radio. Listen to how many times you'll hear advertisements or people say the reason we for Christmas is blank, right? Family, giving, 
loving, right? All, all, you hear that all the time, right? But Christians, Christians have this kind of secret, all right? Can we, can we say it that way, that we have this kind of secret when it comes to this time of year? Even though all of that is true, I'm, I'm going to say it, all of that is true, all of that is good, all of that is right, but it's only a small piece of the reality. It's only a very small piece of why we want to cling to this time of year so, 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 you know, so hard and, and so tightly. Because what we have to say for the world is so important that it eclipses love. It eclipses giving. It eclipses receiving. It eclipses compassion. It eclipses all those things that we say, that we say. Christmas is all about. Even though it's a part of it, it's not the full picture. It's not, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the grand picture that God has given us about this time of year. And this is why every year a str- you know, struggle with, with communicating this message. Because we can get so wrapped up in, in, in what is happening all around us in the world that we can forget that, the, that, the, that, that, that Christmas is far deeper Far more, far more important than just the birthday of Jesus. Okay, so we're going to wrestle with that a little bit today. It's 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 not going to be, you know, we're talking about this unpredictable journey that God has taken the world through to bring us to this place called Christmas. I'm probably not going to take you in the most. Uh, comfortable of passages this morning but we're good but this is where it all begins this is where the whole journey starts this is where the whole thing unfolds and if you don't wrestle and here's the important thing if you don't wrestle with this particular thing that we're going to talk about this morning you will never understand the bible very well you'll always uh, have struggles with with god and the concept of god and the concept of what is happening in our world around us you'll always struggle with evil you'll always struggle with with why bad things happen all, so we're, we're going right to the, very, to the very heart of this whole, because, because without this, Jesus would never have come in the first place, without understanding this at all. This is at the heart of why Jesus even came in the first place. Jesus did not come so we could have a birthday party. Jesus came that we could have a party that would transform our souls, not just for the sake of a party, okay? So really, really important. Um, Okay, so here we are. I'm going to take you all the way back to Adam and Eve. Can you believe that? We're going to take you all the way back to Adam and Eve. We're going to take you all the way back to the fall, to to the fall of Adam and Eve, where God said, don't eat that, don't, don't, don't eat it. And they went, okay, I'm going to eat it, right? That's what they did. That's all God said. Don't eat that one particular fruit or that particular tree. Okay? Because if you do, they, God said, you will know good and evil. Okay? If you, if you do, it's not going to be good for you. Okay? So that's the thing. Adam and Eve went ahead and did it anyway. Okay? So they, that's called the fall. All right? One command. They didn't adhere to it. So here it is. God then placed judgment on the serpent, judgment on mankind and humankind. And this is kind of at, at, at the end part of it. All right? Then the man, Adam, named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Then the Lord God said, Look, 
The human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. What if they reach out, take fruit from the tree of life, and eat it? Then they will live forever. Okay, problem. Okay? Problem. You realize if God had to let Adam and Eve continue where they were, they would have lived forever in a fallen state. Okay, so you have to wrestle with that. That that is just a a biblical, theological reality. God loved us so much, didn't want us to live in this kind of fallen state, separated from him. God created us. He knew that we would have a void inside of us. He knew that we would have a desire for something much more than just ourselves. Okay, so this is one of those uh, theology reality things that that, that everything philosophically wants to push us against. This particular idea, okay? So you have, to, you have to wrestle with that. All right, so the Lord God banished them from the Garden of Eden, and he sent Adam out to cultivate the ground from which he had been made. After sending them out, the Lord God stationed mighty cherubim, which is angels, to the east of the Garden of Eden, and he placed a flame and sword that flashed back and forth to guard the way of the tree of life. So Adam and Eve are banished from the Garden Here's where they are, okay? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... A couple of things we, we, need, we need to note. I want to ask you to pretend like you're Adam and Eve right now. Okay? I'm going to ask you a very simple question. If you're, <laughs> if you're Adam and Eve right now, what are your options? Don't get all theological on me. What are your options? Okay? You either, what, what do you say? Okay, we're kicked out of the garden. Okay? We've got to manage now on our own. Option number one, right? Survive. Yeah, simple survival, right? Now we just survive. We said to God, we want to know everything. We want to be in control of our lives. We want to be able to exercise our own power, our own control, our own authority. And God says, fine, I'm going to let you do that. Okay? What is the most hopeful thing you could do right now if you're Adam and Eve? What is the most hopeful thing you can do? If you were Adam and Eve, wouldn't you be saying to yourself, guys, track with me. Are you guys okay? Like, track with me here. I know, I know, I'm, I know I'm asking you to do this pretend thing on a Sunday morning, but, but follow with me, okay? This is, this is supposed to be fun, okay? Um, do you think Adam and Eve maybe had an argument and said, <laughs> not a chance. Yeah. Um, don't you think they're probably saying at this point in time, you know, we really messed up. We, <laughs> we, we kind of had it in, in, in a really good way. And don't you think the most hopeful thing they could possibly do for themselves is find a way back to God? Or find a way of restoring that relationship with God? Don't you think that would be the most... Because that's your two options, right? Right now, that's, that's your two options. Okay, I am going to, I'm going to get you know, control of my life. So what if God throws us out of the garden? We're going to try and live our lives as our own. We're in control. We have the power. We're going to try and manage this thing as best as we can. Or the other thing you can say is, I want to be as hopeful as possible, and maybe there's a way of restoring my relationship, and we can get back into the garden, and we can get back into restoration with God, all of that kind of stuff. But, guard, but here, here is the great 
And the reason why I want to bring this up, this is the great tension that we live with in the world around us right now, period. There are, there, there are two sides of the coin. There are those of us that say, no, I'm in control of my life. This is my circumstances. This is my situation. I don't need God. I don't see the importance of God anymore. In fact, there's a lot of modern writers right now that see this passage and say, this is the day when humanity liberated themselves from God. That's what they're writing today. Today, modern writers are writing this, that that's what they're seeing in this passage. And isn't that the reality about the tension that we live with in this world around us? That, we, that, that there's two sides. And, but, but, but God, all through the Bible, all through the Bible, as humanity is saying, listen, I want to live my life. I want to be in control of my life. What God is continually saying in the Bible is this. Listen, and, and, and Matt brought this out last week. And I love the way he said it. God is continually saying, you know what? You can live your life. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the freedom to control your life. But here's the reality. The reality is, is I have a far better story. I'm inviting you into a far better existence. I'm inviting you into the story that I want to write for you. What I have created you to be. What I, what, what I created this existence of yours to be. And it's a far, it's, it's the tension that we live with constantly. We can either live in control for ourselves or we can live in a better story that God has written for us. And throughout the Bible, that is the two lanes of the particular highway that you're continually seeing. If you don't understand this basic principle, you're going to have trouble understanding a lot of what the Bible talks about. You're going to have difficulty understanding what Christians are on about when, 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 when they talk about the birth of Jesus, what it represents, what he brings into the world, and what he brings, you know. Because we want to write our own story, don't we? And yet God is continually inviting us into a much bigger story. We want to talk about love but God says, you know what? You'll never be able to love to the capacity that I've born in you unless you embrace the story I want to write for you. We talk about compassion. You'll never be able to be the compassionate person that I have molded you and made you to be unless you become invited into the story that I'm writing for you. You may want to control your own, your own life, your own destiny. God says, I get that. Because the very first two that I, I made demanded that. Okay? You know, God is saying, I've got a better story for you. But the reality is, is without God, we are incomplete and unfulfilled. God knows that about us. God knows that about us. And God knows that we can't work that that. that that void between him and ourselves. We can't do that on our own. Okay? Um, li- 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 listen, there's, there's two great tensions at Christmas. And I, I'm just going to uh, say them out, outright. I, I find over the years there's two great tensions that happen at Christmas time that we're wrestling and we're wrestling with up all the time. The first great tension is this, is our attempt to manufacture meaning out of the season. Right? And I alluded to this earlier before. Our attempt to manufacture meaning 
uh, for Christmas. We want to manufacture. This is what Christmas is all about. It's about giving. It's about receiving. It's about loving. It's about family. It's about the kids. It's about, it's about snow. It's propaganda as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, um, have you, who's ever decorated a palm tree? No? It's, it's, it, did you? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful experience. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, but we want to create so much meaning out of this time of year, don't we? Right? Hear me on this. Now, hear me on this. Giving is a good thing. Family is a good thing. All the things that we embrace at Christmas time are good things. But they pervert often the good thing for what could be the better thing. That we miss, that we miss the point of, of the season. And again, I, you know, I'm not anti-materialism to a degree that, that most, most people in my situation want to be. I don't want to speak out against that. Right? Because giving is an expression of what God has made us to be to give to others. But we can get so carried away with it that the giving becomes important. We can become so carried away with it that we forget you know, the core of what this season celebrates. Isn't that the truth? Like, be honest with me. Isn't that the truth? We can sometimes forget and, and focus on so much of the active part of it that we lose sight of what is behind it that's so much more important. Those are all good things. And that's why we try to manufacture meaning out of things that are really going to be dead ends for us. Because how many of you get the, you know, do you you know that there's now a a post-wedding depression now? Do you know, you know I, I, I was just reading about this recently, that, that, that people are getting so wound up on the wedding day and they're spending so much money and it's such a big extravaganza and all of this stuff and they're finding that there's this, this, this depression that sets in after the wedding because it's a downer, because real life hits. Real life kind of, oh, yeah, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, every married couple's going <laughs> Yeah, every married couple. It's just, it's, 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 you know, it's just a reality. Isn't it true? Isn't it true when it comes to Christmas that that happens? If we, if we push ourselves to, to the wrong things, that January. Why is January such a downer? Because you get your credit card bill, (laughs) right? And you kind of go. Oh, now I gotta pay for it, right? You know what I mean? Like we instinctively do that as human beings. We we kind of attach to these things that we think for a moment is gonna make us happy. We think for a moment is gonna make us, you know, feel better about ourselves. For a moment is gonna is gonna do something that's gonna create in the in the season this 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 feeling, this elation that we can have only for a brief period of time, and then January comes. And the snow that was so nice is all brown. And the oh yeah, okay, I'm not okay. All right, all right. You know, you know what, you know what I'm getting at. And 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 there's and there's a part of me and there's a part of my heart that goes as nice as those things are, as as well as we want to celebrate, as long as we want to get together. 
right? The meaning that we attempt to manufacture to try to make us feel good are the very things that are going to get us down when it's done and over with. And to try to manufacture that meaning when, when, when the incarnation of Jesus is meaning personified, how can we think of anything else but that, right? Uh, here's the other thing that happens. Here's a great tension that happens at Christmas time. We attempt to manage the mess, okay? Um, I love family stories at Christmas time. We all got that uncle. We all have that relative. We all have that, you know, no, no, you know, but don't we try to manage the mess in some way, right? How many, how many of us, how many of us, Christmas is a very difficult, difficult time. And, and it's all joy, sleigh bells, candy canes, and you just want to hit somebody. <laughs> yeah, you know, like... Um, no, not, no, no, I didn't, no. You, you know. Listen, you know, I, I, you know uh, I, I, I lost my dad on December 17th, right? Um, Christmas, Christmas for me personally is an incredibly hurtful, hurtful season, right? To, to my, my, my own dad who loved Christmas, Right to 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 think that he missed out on the Christmas that was coming because of it, you know, because because we lost him. Um, I'll I'll never forget what it was like to see his gifts under the tree that Christmas. I'll never I'll never forget that. And how many of us this this time of year, you know, we lost Muriel on Friday, right? Think of her family this time of year. And isn't that, isn't that what we try to do, many of us? We, we, we attempt to manage the mess that life is all about at this time of year. And we try to cloak it over with, with you know, all kinds of periphery things. But do you realize that Jesus came in the midst of our mess? That Jesus is there in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of the hurts, in the midst of the dysfunctions, in the midst of the difficulties that life is all about. I think that's the amazing thing about the Christmas story, is that from the very moment Jesus came to earth, people wanted to kill him. His, 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 his coming in, in, in a teenage girl disrupted her whole family and her whole community's life. To do that. And it's amazing that in the midst of the mess, Jesus is there saying, I have a better story for you. That I can help you manage all of this. I can help be in the midst of the pain. I can help be in the midst of the story and do something for you that nothing else in life can do for you. Isn't that a a beautiful story to enter into? Our attempts to manage the mess... I love what James Merritt wrote. He said, Jesus is the warrior who will bruise the head of Satan. Um, Earlier on in the passage that we looked at, um, God, right at the very beginning, right at the fall, made a promise that someday Jesus would come and bruise Satan and and come and bring salvation to the world. Um, 
there's a brutal realization that all of us, that life is a battle and we are in a war. He writes this, There are no conscientious objectors to this war. Fame and fortune will not keep you out of the fight. John Daly, the PGA golfer, battles alcohol. Tiger Woods battles lust. Mike Tyson battles anger. Drew Carey, uh, he battles depression. It was so bad that twice before he was 20 years old, he attempted to take his own life. And then I like this. He goes, and even the Incredible Hulk battles with a terrific temper. (laughs) The truth is we all fight our own wars and we face our constant battles. Whatever it is, whether it's greed, whether it's selfishness, bitterness, whatever it is. But the warrior that gives us victory in our lives over the very things, the very messes of our lives is Jesus. Is Jesus. Amen to that. You know, that's why, that, you know, that's why as Christians, that's why as Christians, we hold so tightly to this time of year. While others are attempting to manufacture meaning, and others are attempting to manage the mess, we stand and marvel at the manger. Amen? Amen. Amen. Marvel at the manger. And here's, here's the truth of it. Jesus did not come to fix what we do. Jesus came to fix who we are. Amen. Religion, I think it was Ed Stetzer just recently wrote that religion attempts to change what you do. Only God can change who you are. That's the amazing truth about Christmas. That is why as Christians we hang so tightly to what this season represents. It's much, much, much more than just a celebration of a birthday. The celebration of a person coming. The celebration of the incarnation means so much more. It means whatever hopelessness that we have in our lives, whatever, whatever we see, the unpredictableness of our lives, that God, God has brought his son into the world so that we can have hope beyond, beyond the limitations of what we try to manufacture in our own, in our own lives. Our, our elder Brent uh, sent me this in an email this week. We were talking about this message. He was asking me about this and uh, he was reading uh, The Coming of Jesus in Our Midst by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And uh, I thought it was a really good quote, so I wanted to, I wanted to read it because it's very, it's very profound. And he writes this, The coming of God is truly not only a joyous message, but is first frightful news for anyone who has a conscience. God comes in the midst of evil, in the midst of death, and judges the evil in us and in the world. We have become so accustomed to the idea of divine love and of God's coming at Christmas that we no longer feel the shiver of fear that God's coming should arouse in us. We are indifferent to the message, taking only the pleasant and agreeable out of it and forgetting the serious aspect that the God of the world draws near to the people of our little earth and lays claim to us. Because without God, we are unfinished and incomplete. That's the reality. We can be like 
you know, we can, we're, we're, we're caught in this situation like Adam and Eve, where we can attempt to, to struggle on in our lives and take control of our lives and say, you know what, we're, we're going to try and manage without God. Or we can be what the rest of the Bible unfolds is this beautiful, unpredictable journey that God takes us on, where every time it seems hopeless, God gives us a moment of hope, a moment of anticipation that God can do immeasurably more than we ever hoped or imagined, and be able to bring into our lives the sense of saying, listen, I'm inviting you into a better story. I'm inviting you into a bigger story. I'm inviting you into into a journey with me that you will never regret and and never, ever look back. Because it is a better story that God is writing for each and every one of us. How many of you, um, just, as, just as I close this morning, um, you know, this, this is a tough message for you to wrestle with in your own lives, right? Just what does it mean for you? Um, how many of you uh, know of Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech? You know, it's one of the classic speeches of, you know, uh, of our lifetime. Um, Do you know, do you know, I just read recently, um, that wasn't even part of the speech. You know, how many, did any of you know that? That that was not scripted at all? He, you know, the night before, he was sitting with the script writers and and putting the, the, the message together. And they had scripted the whole thing out. Okay, so when he got up there, and it was his time to speak, there were over 200,000 people there in the crowd. Over 200,000. This is before Twitter, by the way, and Facebook and all that stuff. This is word of mouth people. Okay? 200,000 people. And he's talking to the crowd, and he's going through the script of what his script writers and, and, and him had written the night before. Okay? And um, I'm going to get somewhere with this story. Don't worry. Um, but as he was talking to the people, he felt like the message wasn't connecting. And it was all good stuff, all about freedom, all about you know, equality, um, the very good things that were all, that, that, that no one would stand back and say, those are bad things, you know, okay? But he felt he just wasn't connecting. And Mahalia Jackson, the, the gospel singer, was in the background, I guess, and she was yelling out, Martin, tell them about the dream. Tell them about the dream. And she was supposedly yelling out the back as he was speaking. And Martin suddenly just put, Martin Luther King just suddenly put the speech aside and decided to speak from the heart. And that's where the I have a dream speech came from. That is notably one of the best speeches that we know in our modern time. And it resonated with people. And people heard a vision. People heard of a dream. People heard of a world. People heard of a reality that was possible if they would only embrace the reality of what he was talking about. And it's, 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 it's the vision and it's the, the clarity of what he portrayed to the people that became so powerful. And I thought to myself when I read that, I said, isn't that the Christmas story? Isn't that a lot of the things that we have in the world around us that we do at this time of year, good things, valuable things? 
Um, no one would argue against you know, giving, loving, helping others, all of that kind of stuff. But isn't the greater picture, isn't the greater dream, isn't the greater thing that we have as a humanity is this embracing of what Jesus brought to the world that, that, that makes all those things that we celebrate as good things much more eternally valuable, has much more traction behind it, because it doesn't last just for a season. It becomes part of who we are. It becomes part of who we are. And it transforms us to be just like Jesus when we embrace those things. And it's so incredibly important to illuminate this dream that's painted on the canvas of our imagination. All along in Scripture, God is saying, I have a better story. You may want to craft the meaning for yourself, but I have, I'm inviting you into a much bigger, a much better story. Because Jesus did not come to fix what we do. Jesus came to fix who we are. Because without God, without Jesus, we are incomplete and unfulfilled. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge this morning that we have gone on quite a ride to imagine Christmas in light of the fall, Christmas in light of Adam and Eve, and that the reason for Christmas begins way back there. That Christmas is much more, at least in the eyes of Christians, much more than just a holiday season for shopping, for lights, for all the things that uh, we want to celebrate. And it's why we are, 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 are never wanting to release why this time of year is so important. Because if we give it over to the commercialism, if we give it over to the good feelings, all of that will just end. All of that will just find a a dead end at some point. But to think in terms of eternal love, to think of terms of eternal hope, those things stay with us all the time. That we never lose sight of what we have been made for, what we have been invited into. And I pray today that we would just have a greater sense of what this time of year represents. I know that the angels of heaven rejoiced at the birth of Jesus. And we also recognize that you can't have the cradle without the cross. And I pray, Lord, that in the next number of weeks, as we continue to look at this unpredictable journey that God is taking us on, that we will just see the hand of God through passages of Scripture that remind us of his great care and of his great plan for us and that we can celebrate this year with true joy, true hope, 
because the season now resonates in our hearts and in our lives because we recognize what Jesus has brought for us. So we thank you, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.